Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Shriver. Have you ever called out to God? Have you experienced a difficult situation or a season even where you've cried out to God for help, healing, or wisdom? We're continuing our series called Calling on God, where we're discussing the ways God hears our cries and answers our prayers. Last time, Pastor Quint Lindblad started us off by looking at how we go about asking God for help. Today, Pastor Nicole will share several stories of God answering prayers for healing. In this series, we're also going to be releasing a bonus podcast each week that features Pastor Nicole and Pastor Quint discussing these topics with other area pastors. There's some great conversations, so be on the lookout for those podcasts that come out later this week as well. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, last week, we started a series titled Calling on God, and we are talking about prayer. And so last week, this week, and this coming next Sunday, we'll be talking about prayer. Pastor Quint started us off, and he looked at King David and how we can ask for help when we need it. We can ask God for help when we need it. And today, we're going to look at how we can ask God for healing when we need it. So we've created some extra content for this series so that it will help you all week long. How many of you know that just one hour on Sunday morning isn't going to do it, right? We need to engage in Jesus and all he has for us all week long. And so we're trying to help you, uh, give you some content. And so we've created um, this for every week of this series. Each week there's a podcast uh, that comes out midweek with an interview with a local pastor in Erie. So keep an eye out for that uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Last week uh, we had the awesome uh, time to interview Colby Atkins at Elevate Church, and that was a great conversation. And this week we were interviewed Alan Thorpe at Albion Assembly, and he has an incredible testimony of God's healing power, and so you won't want to miss that. And also every Wednesday evening during this series, we have designated a special prayer room from 6.30 to 8 in the music room. It's staffed by Pastor Don and some prayer team members, and it's designed for you to come and receive some prayer for whatever you might need. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need wisdom. Come and pray anytime. You can come for five minutes. You can come for a whole hour and a half. You can pop in. It's 6.30 to 8 this Wednesday and next Wednesday during this series. We'd love to see you there. Uh, just come and spend time in God's presence and get some prayer for whatever is on your heart. And so to start us off today, as we're talking about prayer, I want to invite my friend Aaron up here to share. Now, Aaron is part of an Erie First small group, uh, and he was sharing these really insightful things about prayer to his small group. And as I heard the wisdom in his thoughts, I said, oh man, y'all need to hear this. And so I asked him if he would come up here this morning and just share with you some of the things that God's been teaching him about prayer. So can you welcome Aaron this morning as he shares? Hi, how are you all doing today? Come near to God, and he will come near to you. James 4, verse 8, part A. One night recently, a friend had messaged me with a specific prayer request, so I had stopped what I was doing so I could say a quick prayer. I said amen, and I was about to go about my evening. But that night, like many times before, God said the conversation wasn't over. Before I knew it, numerous other things were placed on my heart to pray about. And it led to me just simply talking to God about who he is. See, it's so extraordinary how the more we pray, the more we have to pray about. 
And perhaps you notice this at times as well when prayer starts out slow or you don't have too much on your mind, but the more that you meditate on him, the more is placed on your heart. See, that's, that's not just our minds remembering things. That is the Holy Spirit actively communicating to us and through us. See, that's, that's a beautiful reminder that, that prayer is an open line of communication. It's not just a voicemail that he's going to check later. The prophet Isaiah affirms this for us in Isaiah 65, verse 24. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. So I encourage each of you in your own prayer lives to take advantage of that open line. And don't spare the details. Yes, God knows your hearts. But remember, he is so many things, and one of those things is a friend. He still wants to listen. Just like those moments when you have a, a best friend with all kinds of crazy stories, and no matter how many times your friend is telling that story to people, you still love to hear it. God knows your story, but he still wants to hear it. In fact, he expects to hear it. An example of this can be found in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46 in the healing of the blind man. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <clears throat> Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and then followed Jesus along the road. Jesus knew his heart. He knew his needs, but he still wanted him to speak up rather than just saying, have mercy on me. Just as Bartimaeus shouted even louder when the crowd rebuked him, Jesus loves that you are passionate in your prayers, but remember that he has given us his Holy Spirit to speak with authority in his name, so don't shy away from the specifics. You know what? There was something I didn't share in the first service, but I feel that maybe someone right now needs a reminder. He is not a distant God. There is no room you can walk into or out of that will put you closer or farther from his presence. See, 2,000 years ago, that changed when the veil was torn. You do not have to travel across valleys, across highways, across countrysides to feel his presence. All you need to do is talk to him and be willing to listen. Thank you. Like Aaron shared about the blind man, Jesus was attracted to desperate situations. Jesus was attracted to desperate situations. Why? Because it was an opportunity to demonstrate his love and his power. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of comfort 
That Jesus isn't just trying to get up close so he can see what's happening. He has all the power and all the wisdom and all the resources that he needs to meet every single desperate situation. I'm thankful to know that Jesus doesn't turn me away when I'm weak. I'm thankful that when I'm needy, when I'm struggling, that Jesus doesn't turn me away. If you lived on this planet for very long, you know that part of living on the planet is we have problems. Amen? Anybody out there? And occasionally, we all face difficult, desperate situations. And I wonder this morning if any of you have ever been desperate. Not talking about a little problem, popcorn in your teeth, you missed Netflix, This Is Us premiere, and you can't find it on Hulu. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like really desperate situations, like you've messed up at work and you're afraid you're going to lose your job and you don't know what to do. Or you're addicted to a substance or a habit. You never planned on addiction, but it just seems so overwhelming you don't know what to do. Maybe you have a bill on your counter right now as I speak for $500 or $1,000 and you have no idea how you're going to pay for that bill. Maybe you have a child that is just making choices and spinning out of control and you don't know what to do. You've tried everything you can think of. Or maybe you've been sick for years and you can't seem to get better and that disease or that nagging problem is your constant companion. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. I don't know what it is, but this morning I want to talk to you about two stories connected in the book of Mark, but often told separately. And both of these stories feature desperate situations, situations that need healing. So I want to look in Mark 5, 21 through 23. It says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. One of the things that you can do with scripture that I do all the time that can put you more understanding it is imagine yourself in this situation. Many of you have children or you want to have children or you have someone that you love very, very dearly. Imagine that you are desperate. If you do not get an answer, that person is going to die. So here's Jairus. He's a synagogue leader. He's important. He's prominent. He's prestigious. And to be honest, he had to swallow a pretty big amount of pride to come to Jesus to make this request. It's kind of embarrassing. He had lived his whole life saying, if I follow all these rules, then Jesus, I will get into heaven and everything will be just fine. And now all of a sudden he's desperate for someone to break all the rules and fix his problem. And so Jairus um, just, just was so, he had to really swallow his pride. He had to really come before Jesus saying, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. All my friends are going to think I'm crazy coming to this healer, but I'm going to come to you. But I'll tell you what, he didn't care. You know why? His daughter was dying. <laughs> you would do anything, right? You would, you're desperate. You would do anything. You would go to anybody because his daughter was dying, Now, as I read this passage, I thought about this way. Think about Jesus. He also had a decision to make. Here was a ruler of the synagogue, 
And one of the religious leaders who persecuted and opposed him, kind of ironic, he's now begging at Jesus' feet. Okay, these synagogue rulers had been openly enemies of Jesus. And now Jairus, Jairus is now uh, at the feet of Jesus begging for help. And you know what happens is Jesus, my Jesus, he didn't hesitate for a minute. He didn't think about it. He didn't say to himself, if I do this for you, will you stop harassing me? He didn't say, you don't deserve this when you come. He looked down, begging at Jesus' feet. He looked at this man, and he's in verse 524, and I believe it's stated so simply because it was, it says, so Jesus went with him. That's it. So Jesus went with him. The guy who come to love his enemies, to love everyone, Jesus went with him. It didn't matter what that man had said to him before. It didn't matter how he had hurt him, what he had said. Jesus went with him. And so Jesus and Jairus pushed through this crowd, through this clush, crushing, clamoring crowd of people. Imagine yourself in it. And the crowd is shouting at Jesus. They're tugging at him. They're jostling him. And Jairus and Jesus and the disciples, they actually could hardly move because so many people were surrounding them. Listen, this was PC, pre-COVID, okay? Nobody was standing six feet apart. There was no the lines on the floor to make sure no one's in front of you. I mean, this was like a mosh pit. Imagine everyone is all around. They're, they're, they're pushing each other. They're trying to get to Jesus. And Jairus has an emergency need. And I can imagine, like I feel at Christmas time on Peach Street traffic, Jairus is going, get on with it. Go, go, go. Come on, my daughter's dying. Get moving, people. And they're moving slow, slow, slow. And Jesus and Jairus and his disciples are, are trying to get to his daughter who is dying. Now then, the worst possible thing happens. Jesus is interrupted. And what follows is this famous story. You've probably heard it before. But we have to remember that this is what's happening while this other story is going on. Jairus' need is getting worse by the moment. He has an emergency. And I want to show you what happens in Mark 5, 25. It says, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, and yet, instead of getting better, she got worse. So here's what we know about this woman. She had been suffering for 12 years. She'd been losing blood. She had been considered unclean. For 12 years, she had felt like a problem to everyone. Her, her need was in the morning. It was in the evening. It was all night long. She woke up with it, with it the next day. Her need wasn't an emergency like Jairus, but it was a long-term, everyday battle. Maybe some of you out there say, that's me. I have a long-term, everyday battle. One of the most painful consequences of this woman's illness was because of the culture. If she touched anyone, she would make them unclean. So what did the people do? They avoided her. She didn't have a friend in the world. She didn't have a family member to talk to. She didn't have a, a mom to go sit on the couch and get chicken noodle soup when she had a bad day. And I wonder, and this is maybe a, a Nicoleism, but I wonder if her physical health was actually second to the loneliness that she dealt with every single day of her life because no one would even talk to her, no one would touch her, no one would look at her. 
She had a physical need. She had an emotional need. So here's what happens. Mark 5, 27 through 29. She heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. The scripture goes on to say, and just imagine this, imagine it, you're in the crowd, okay? Jesus stops walking, the crowd comes to a halt, and he says, who touched my clothes? I mean, come on, the disciples are probably going, Jesus, um, with all due respect, uh, I know you're the, the king of the universe and everything, but everybody's touching you, like you're in a full crowd of people, everybody touch your clothes, they're sweating on each other, we're in a mosh pit, I don't even know which body parts are mine. Like we're just trying to get through this crowd. Everybody touched your clothes. And the woman comes forward and says, I did. It was me. And Jesus says in verse 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from suffering. Now, if you think about it, she already got her healing. Verse 29 says she immediately got her healing. So why was Jesus saying, identify yourself? And also, don't be fooled. Jesus knows who touched him, okay? He's not not confused, all right? Jesus knows who touched him. Why in the world is he asking for this woman to identify herself? It is because Jesus knew that her emotional pain was so uh, deep because no one accepted her that in front of all that crowd, in front of all that people, Jesus turned and said, oh, hey, you, you're healed. You, You're healed, so now you can go back and you can have friends and you can have family and you don't have to be lonely anymore. And Jesus takes a moment to declare to the people, she, she's good, everybody. You guys were nervous about her, she's good. (laughs) Both would remain with her forever. She would never stop believing that Jesus could heal every kind of illness, every kind of disease, every wounded heart that quickly, that simply. Okay, but listen, we're out, we're in the subplot, okay? Jairus is still standing there with an emergency. And I can imagine if I'm Jairus, I'm being like, speed it up, this is great, but let's go. I mean, like, I got a problem. Did you forget about my problem? Because we're actually dealing with my problem, and you're you're dealing with her problem. And I'm blown away by just this statement that Jesus makes when he stops to heal the bleeding woman, just, just imagine this, Jesus, he's on his way with a synagogue leader, an important guy, a man with reputation, power. People knew who he was. He had clout in the community. But Jesus stops for a misfit, unclean, unwanted woman and meets her need. I love this about Jesus. I love this about my Jesus, that he's never too busy for one person, that nobody's more important than another, that he sees our needs and he doesn't rank them based on who has the most clout or who has this or who has that. He sees every single person's need. And he says, look, uh, you can ask me for it because I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give it to you. So Jairus uh, led Jesus to his home, and when they arrived, as they're walking up to the, um, the house, they hear the wailing of mourners, and I'm sure Jairus's heart just sinks. It was too late. Like, his daughter had died. So Jesus walks in the room, 
And in Mark 5, 39, it records he went in, he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. And so the mourners, literally, the scripture says they laugh at Jesus. They think he is a fool. The child's asleep. I mean, I know dead when I see it. Who does he think he is? And so Jesus, in all of his perfect ways, kicks him out of the house. I love that. Get out, he says, all of you. And then it's just Jairus, his wife, and his daughter. Because he's not doing a miracle for those people. He's doing a miracle for Jairus, who, who came to him and asked for it. And the scripture says that Jesus went to the bedside of the little girl and took her tiny little hand in his. And he spoke two Aramaic words that meant, little girl, I say to you, get up. And the girl stood up. The girl stood up. In Mark 5, we see an unclean, no-name woman. We still don't know her name. And an important, predominant, worried father. And they both ask Jesus for healing. And what I believe Jesus is showing us in this passage is this. If they can ask Jesus for healing, we can ask Jesus for healing. No matter who you are today, no matter which, which part of this you identify with, he is showing us you can ask Jesus for healing. It is true that some people have the spiritual gift of healing. The scripture references that. But all Christians can pray and ask God for healing. And all Christians can be the vessel in which God uses to offer a healing touch to others. And the fact that Christians can and should pray for healing is demonstrated in the life of Jesus and in the ministry of the early church. I have never met any human being who's not in need of some kind of healing. Some, some need. Maybe it's physical illness. And we talked about maybe it's an emergency. Uh, we often get calls for that. We send Pastor Don because he's the best in emergencies. Uh, but we, we often call for that. Yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> clap for Pastor Don every day of the week. We get calls for emergencies. We get people that ha you've had a health problem all your life. Physical sickness, God can heal. But others need healing for deep wounds and scars from things done to them in their life. Others of you in this room need healing from pain and grief that you've experienced. And all of us need healing for our sin and in the ways in which we have separated ourselves from God. And so with that in mind, don't let anything keep you from Jesus. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. The woman with the issue of bleeding tried everything that she could. The scripture says uh, she went to every doctor she could. She spent every single money she had. And just as she did that, she realized that each time she saw a cure outside of Jesus, she ended up worse than when she started. And this morning, there are some of you here today, you've tried a lot of things. You've tried a lot of solutions. And I want to tell you today, it's time for Jesus. It's time for Jesus. It's time to forget about all those solutions, and it's time to go straight and directly to Jesus. Now, Jairus, he, he had to overcome his peers, his belief system, his fears. He risked it all. He ran to Jesus. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. Listen, I know you have your doubts. So did Jairus. So did the woman who had been sick for 12 years. But don't let your doubts keep you from Jesus. Push through the sweaty crowd. 
Swallow your pride. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. And here's why, because this is what we learn in the scripture today, that one touch from Jesus changes everything. One touch from Jesus changes everything. One touch, and that woman was instantly healed of a 12-year illness. A dead daughter was brought back to life in a moment, and all it took was one touch from Jesus. Now, we see in this scripture, there is no perfect formula for healing. I think one of the things that, that as humanity, as, as family here, we get caught up in is we've been taught to think it's a formula. If we can just get to the right evangelist, if we can just get to the right prophet, if we can just say the right prayer, if we can give the right offering, if we can go to the right church or have the right amount of faith, if we can just figure out the formula, God will heal us. Here's the mistake in all of those things. We think it's up to us. We think it's up to us to just find the right day and time and words and, and person. And I heard that they have a healing ministry and I heard, I heard that this happens and that happens. Listen, let me tell you about the scripture and what happened for healing. Uh, Jesus healed a blind man by spitting in the mud and rubbing it on his eyes. He made miracle mud, people. That's weird. At the pool of Bethesda, Jesus met a man who hadn't walked in 38 years. Listen, he had no faith he would ever walk again. He encounters Jesus and he says, here's all the reasons why I'm going to be an invalid forever. No one's going to take me to the pool. I don't have the right clothes. I'm never going to feel it. He's given Jesus all these examples. And you know what Jesus does? Get up and walk. And he does. He doesn't use mud that time. He, he, he does something different. In Luke, Jesus came across a funeral. This is one of my favorite uh, scriptures. Jesus literally just comes across a funeral. Now, Jesus never, uh, there's nothing coincidence, he, he, but he always knows what he's doing, but he hadn't planned to go to this funeral. And the mother of the dead son says to Jesus, yeah, I'm sad my son died, wasn't even looking for Jesus. He, she was just in the right place at the right time. And Jesus says, ah, cancel this funeral. And how about you have a celebration because your son's back to life. That's what Jesus says. In Mark 1, a leper begs Jesus for healing. He's healed of his disease. In Mark 7, a deaf man can't speak very clearly, was brought to Jesus. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears and healed him that way. In Acts 3, a guy outside the temple said to Peter and John, I need some money. Peter said, well, I don't have any money, but I see your feet are crippled. How about I heal you of that? He asks for one thing, and Jesus gives him another. Here's my point. There's no formula. There's no magic prayer. There's no step one, two, or three. There's not a method. There's not something specific you have to say. It's not because you haven't prayed hard enough. It's not because God's disappointed in you. It's not because you haven't figured out the right place to go at the right time in order to be healed. It's not about finding a prayer expert. It's not about being in the right place. Your healing is not based on what you do. It's not based on you. It's not based on what you do. The healing is based on what God does and what he said in his word and what he promises, and God still heals today. If I had to put a pattern on all these scriptures that I've read about healing, this is what it would be. It has two parts. It needs a person with a need and a God who can meet it.
That's it. A person with a need and a God who can meet it. That is the formula for a miracle. I want to share with you a recent miracle that happened in our church just a few weeks ago. Would you welcome Pastor Adam and Randy this morning as they come up here? Hi, family. Hi, we're here to uh, bring glory to God and share a testimony of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Um, so, like Pastor Nicole said, this is my actual little brother-in-law, my wife's little brother. Um, so he's, he's family. Um, and we were at the summit. This miracle happened oh, a month ago yesterday on uh, St. Patrick's Day, up at the summit during one of our youth services during uh, the dinner portion of it. So, uh, Randy, I'll let you kind of share kind of what, what happened. So about a month ago, uh, we were on our way to youth group, and during the dinner time, as he said, I started feeling sick because before that, me and my parents went to Olive Garden, and I ordered something with shrimp in it, and unbeknownst to myself, I had a shellfish allergy. So at the youth group, I went to anaphylactic shock, and I was blacking out and all that stuff, losing my vision, muffled hearing. I ran out, fell into Adam's arms and stuff like that. They prayed over me, and it all just left as soon as they started praying. It all started getting better. My color came back and stuff like that. Sure. Amen. Amen. So I'll tell it from my side of the story. <laughs> I mean, that's all true. He <laughs> went into the bathroom. He was sick, feeling not good during dinner. Went to the bathroom and blacked out and was on his hands, his hands and knees, can't see anything in the bathroom. And you told me this, Randy, by the, by the grace of God, he got his vision back for about 10 seconds and he could find the door to the bathroom so he wouldn't continue his shock by himself in the stall. And he walked out of the door and for, for a reason only God gets credit for. We were in the middle of dinner. I'm hanging out with my youth students. We got about a lot of them there. And I just felt... I'm going to walk out into the hall and out of the cafe. And as I walk out of the cafe, he's turning the corner. <clears throat> and I kid you not, and I love my little brother, so I'm going to tell you the truth. He looked like a zombie. Legitimately, his skin was like pale blue gray. His eyes were all messed up. And he was stumbling, probably couldn't see very well, and yelling, help me. And I came out of the cafe, and I said, oh, no. And I went and grabbed him, and he fell into my arms. And he began to seize and shake in my arms. And, and all I knew to do was pray. I have no idea what's happening to, this, to my brother, but this is an emergency, like Pastor Nicole preached on. This is an emergency, and this situation is trending badly. And he said, to, as he's shaking, he said, I can't see anything. I can't see. Help me. Help me. Help me. And I just began to pray over him in the name of Jesus and command his systems to function under the authority of Jesus Christ. And we had some awesome youth leaders come out around as the situation happened and lay hands on him. And some of our, our student leaders laid hands on him. And, and we saw a situation, like he said, he was in shock. I don't know a lot about it, but it's either death or brain damage. We didn't have an EpiPen. There was nothing we could do, but, but there was something God could do. And so we prayed over him and he started to turn back. His skin started to come back. His sight was beginning to be restored. He could drink some water. <clears throat> and the Lord Jesus healed him 
that saved his life. And so we want to share a couple of scriptures with you to encourage you of the word of God, that this isn't a one-time thing, that I believe this is first fruits for more miracles that are coming at this church. So you want to share this? So I'm going to read from John 14, 12, which I read earlier this year at a youth thing. Um, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Amen. That's that's the promise that Jesus gives us. And I I want to read a scripture from Luke 10. Excuse me, Luke 7. But before I do, it's amazing how God orchestrates stuff because as this stuff, as this situation is happening, if you've been to the summit, we have a cafe and a rock wall right outside of it. So all 50 or 60 students are watching. They're looking, what is happening? They're seeing him look as he did. They're seeing what's going on. And so the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me he sent a shockwave into our ministry to wake these students up, to see death and to see the power of Jesus Christ. And so I want to read this scripture when John the Baptist's disciples are coming to Jesus. Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? And Jesus says to them, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And Jesus also said these words, as the Father has sent me to do these things, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to give hearing back in the name. As the Father has sent Jesus, he said, so I send you to do the same thing. Hallelujah. It's by the power of the name of Jesus that these miracles happen. And so we just want to give glory to God. Father, I thank you for the miracles that are coming in this church today and in the weeks and months to come we receive them by faith in the almighty name of Jesus thank you alright would you stand here's what we're going to do I asked some prayer team members and some pastors to come up here with anointing oil and what I want to encourage you to do what I want to ask you to do this morning is to come to God for the healing that you need. Maybe you're going to come down here, it's a physical need. Maybe it's an emotional need. Maybe it's a mental need. Maybe it's a relational need. Maybe uh, you know somebody that's sitting out there that needs healing and they're not in this room today. You know that Jesus in the scripture, he stood in another city and said, go, the person you're praying for is healed. And the power of God met that person in that room. And so maybe you're praying for somebody else today. And I just want to encourage you to come. The worship team is going to just declare this. Maybe you would like to just come to the altar by yourself and you don't want prayer for someone else. That's okay too. All you need is God, remember, to ask for healing. It's not about these special people down here. It's about you and God. And so would you just take a minute? Would you respond? Maybe you've never responded before. I want to encourage you to take a step of faith today and just get some prayer. Nothing wacky or weird is going to happen. They're just going to put a little anoint oil on your head and pray in the power of God like we've seen that you'll be healed of that thing. So would you come as we sing? 
that God is worthy of it all. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. Don't forget to look for our bonus podcast later this week. You don't want to miss out on that. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.